<laughs> I don't need the metronome to chime in. Uh, welcome to episode 13, I believe, of A Funny Story About Money. Uh, looking forward to the conversation today uh, because the story is going to be a little bit different than, than all the ones we've had before. It was uh, a business that was built almost to sell by, uh, by a younger guy and I was lucky enough to meet him, uh, I don't know, this must have been eight, nine years ago, yeah. probably. Uh, we met on stage or at some comedy club somewhere and and he sort of got out of the game for a bit and I never knew what happened and two years ago I came into your shop and I was like how did you get this going so I'm interested to hear that story because I don't really know it and uh, ex stand-up hopefully he gets back into it because uh, he was very funny interested to hear his story uh, welcome Matt Lysak What's up, Kent? What's up, man? Yeah, we're not waiting for applause after that. Red, I know. Everybody's, <laughs> al everybody's always everybody's always giving us uh, applause for just everything. Yeah, you can put it in a post. Right. Yeah. When I first started doing my videos, actually, by myself, it was so weird because I'm like, oh, I'm just like trying to tell jokes and make it so funny, like to a camera in my <laughs> office, like in a bedroom in my house by myself. I was like, this is so awkward <laughs> I, I should have just had somebody there like pretending to film me like I needed them I think maybe one person would have been worse than no people <laughs> probably you're right uh, no I'm not bad one or two is actually better for me uh, so we'll start uh, and I mean we don't even know each other that well we've sort of connected a bit more lately uh, so just a little bit more about yourself uh, and for our 20 listeners yeah maybe we'll get a little bit more but yeah what do we need to know about you i'm a bringer uh, <laughs> so uh i don't know i grew up in edmonton my whole life nice uh never uh, planned on uh, being an entrepreneur in any way mm -hmm. i went to uh, school and didn't know what i wanted to do i worked a series of really uh, boring manual labor jobs through university and uh, got a, a Bachelor of Arts in uh, drama because I was going to be a playwright. Useful. Yeah. And uh, I was going to be the next great Canadian playwright was my plan. And then I realized that... Who was the first one? That was the problem was I didn't know who the existing <laughs> one was. And I figured it wasn't the best career path. And uh, yeah. And so uh, I uh, tried to get a job at the airport as a baggage handler. <clears throat> this was the start of my career. So this was right after university? Right after university. When was that? It was like 2005, something like that. 2005, 2006. Right, so you're, how old are you? 37. So, right. Yeah. I'm 38. So you graduated in 2000 from high school? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it took me like seven years to get through university because I was not good at... That's the way to courses. do it, though. <laughs> Having a good time. Yes. Right. Well, failing courses is not the best time in the world. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that it helps if you know what you want to do mm -hmm. to be successful at anything. So, uh, yeah. So I was uh, just going to start working jobs that were better than the like trench digging jobs that I was doing during university. And uh, I got offered a job as a baggage handler at the airport and thought that I had made it in life. Because that's, you work at the airport, eventually you can work your way up to the guy on the runway that flags down the mm -hmm. airplanes if you stay there long enough. It's a union gig, so you just got to not get fired right. long enough, and you get to be the guy on the runway. And uh, so I was pretty happy about that. And then uh, a friend of mine, his wife called and said that they were hiring a warehouse manager uh, for their warehouse. It was a small company, like six people, and it paid an extra dollar an hour than the airport did. Right. <laughs> and I didn't have to work the graveyard shift. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Uh, so I decided to do that. I became a warehouse manager. I was the only one in the warehouse, but they called me a manager. So that nice. was nice. You're managing yourself, though. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that turned out to be a, a small solar company. It was like an independent solar distributor. They sent solar panels out to well sites and, you know, electrical instrumentation companies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so then I just had a career all of a sudden. I didn't even know it. I didn't know, like, going into it, I didn't know what solar panels were. I didn't know, obviously, how they worked. I right. didn't know anything. But 
You weren't like a, a tree hugger that needed a job at a solar to get into the solar game. No, no. And just, fight against the corporate entity and evil of oil and gas. No, didn't didn't cross my mind. I needed a job so that I could uh, live, and uh, I was good at moving stuff around, and I was literate and uh, could count. So nice. warehouses are really good. Right. Careers popular people <laughs> with those skills. So. And I mean, I guess before we go forward, do you still write? Like, do you still ever write like anything? Like, oh man, no. I so I started doing stand up right around that same time actually that I was working in the warehouse, Mm -hmm. and it was uh, like I loved writing. I I actually had a couple of plays at the Fringe. I produced a couple of plays. One was a one man show. One was actual play that was pretty good. Yeah, and um, it's really easy to write and be creative when you have a job that doesn't stimulate you intellectually because mm-hmm. the you, mindless jobs are perfect for that yeah oh for sure i remember like after a day of counting things in boxes like i i would have you know a notepad full of stuff because mm-hmm. i could use my brain for something else right while i was counting boxes and uh but then as uh, my career went on like uh and ended up running a business it's like that there's a lot of creative energy that goes into running a business Mm -hmm. and you don't I didn't I found that I didn't really have the energy to uh, be creative as much anymore I just want to get home at the end of the day and be entertained right instead of entertaining other people I hear you yeah I haven't written anything good as a comedian in years and like it's embarrassing because I'll go on stage and I'm like man like this is so old like (laughs) get something new but I just don't it's not in me right now. Like, I don't know where. Yeah. And, and that's the same reason. So, yeah, yeah I used to lo- I used to love, like, landscaping, like, just raking. And I'd be like, oh, I'm, like, clever or something came up or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, that it was the start. You were the warehouse manager for a little solar company. So, uh, what, we'll, we'll go forward and then we'll take a step back. Uh, your company that that you started and sold is called national solar yeah and what what was that so we were a wholesale distributor of solar products so solar panels uh that create electricity specifically Mm -hmm. like the ones that you would think of the ones that are in all the call of duty games with the little black squares on them right Uh, that's what we sell and we did wholesale distribution so uh we wouldn't install anything uh, we didn't manufacture anything. We would buy, you know, containers of product, uh, solar panels from the biggest manufacturers in the world, mostly overseas, mm-hmm. and uh, bring them into a warehouse and be able to ship them at uh, really competitive prices to the people that were wanting to install them, like uh, contractors mostly, that their job is installing solar panels on people's houses right. or, or for oil and gas wells, things like that. Mm-hmm. And they need somewhere where, you know, they want to buy 20 solar panels and three, you know, pieces of electronics and they want it to get to Saskatoon tomorrow. And, uh, that's what we did. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So we started that, uh, back in, uh, 20, early 2015. Right. And that's like, I must've come into your shop a year after that, maybe two years after that. And I was like, what the hell like I, I my mind was blown because i was like i had no idea and for one how do you start you're like we started this company and i was like okay cool i'll come check it out and i walked in and like big office big warehouse all these solar parts i'm like how does one go about <laughs> starting a distribution company I just blew my mind so uh, that's why I'm excited about this story because how do you do that like and you know who gets all all I would have ever thought is like that company's been in business for however many years or you bought it off of your dad or whatever or something like that right yeah but it was non-existent before you started it was just yeah yeah so it, it's it, totally inadvisable which is why it worked <laughs> right 
And kind of a good time, I guess. I'm assuming NDP at the time, there was the incentives in Alberta potentially to yeah. get solar on homes and, and whatnot, right? So, yeah, it helped. I mean, I knew, so because I had worked in the industry for about 10 years before that, uh, with a small break to work in the electrical industry, um, solar is a growing industry. And it's but in Alberta, we don't think about solar or talk about solar very much, especially until the NDP mm-hmm. came into power. But... Um, uh, like we knew that it was growing globally at 50 to 100 percent per year and so it's one of those things where you're like i could do a half decent job at this and right the market will grow fast enough that hopefully it'll probably work out right but not everybody knew that so it was like when i got a job the, my first job in the solar industry it was the luckiest thing that ever happened to me I could still be a, like a middle manager at the airport right now. Right. Oh, you'd be crushing it with a pension, good yeah. pension plan. And yeah, I might be the boss of the union at that point. Sending people outside in minus 39 <laughs> to wave down the planes, like yeah. yelling at people. Yeah. Might Living be the life. best thing. Yeah. But so, that, and it's always when it's like what I've found in this podcast is when this kind of stuff happens, it's always like, I worked in this industry. I somehow got in this exact industry for whatever reason. It's not like I went to school to be like, I want to go work in a solar warehouse. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even necessarily dead set on becoming an entrepreneur, but just seeing that opportunity and taking the risk and then doing it. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, when they think about business is like, how do I get make money starting a business but it's almost always like i worked in a company i saw a different way Mm -hmm. i did it yeah just like me i guess like i didn't want to be a financial planner Mm -hmm. i sort of fell into it oddly and then turned into something after i got my five years of experience with a different company yeah the like guidance counselors when you're in high school They'll give you those five same jobs, like, mm-hmm. and there's no nobody tells you how the real world works. Like, you're limited to your your network of people that you know. Like, my friend's dad is a you know sells toothpaste, and like you know, right. I, I heard about this guy that uh, works in rocks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then there's a doctor, lawyer, firefighter, policeman, <laughs> accountant, mm-hmm. and that's uh, other than that, you don't know most of. The jobs out there in most of the businesses and what they do. So no, you have to like you have to luck your way into something. Mm-hmm. Really. So let's talk about your your career a little bit before before the company, and then what was the shift? How did it? How did you decide? Okay, we're gonna take this leap. Yeah. <clears throat> well, as a as a guy with a really impressive drama degree, um, like my opportunities were limitless, as you could imagine. Yeah. Um, I, so I started in the warehouse and, uh, uh, basically my whole life has been looking at the people that I work with and thinking, I could probably do your job mm-hmm. and then finding out what their jobs were and then figuring out what the skills required for those jobs would be acquiring those skills and then convincing someone to let me do that job. Right. And then rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So I started in the warehouse. I got uh, really bored of it after about a year and a half. The comedy career was not taking off as I had hoped it no, would. Obviously. But you were good. Like you're very funny, good, great writer. I, I mean, I, thanks. I appreciate it. Because the last time I saw you, I was judging the competition, right? I think probably, yeah. That's the last time I remember seeing you. And uh, yeah, I was sitting next to Rick, and he's like, "Man, he's a really good writer." I'm like, "Yeah, he is." Like. You know, and I hadn't seen you in probably a couple of years, so it was fun to see you. Well, that means a lot. I always thought you were really good and you were really funny and you had a unique voice and, uh, and talent, it. so that means a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, so I was in the warehouse and I got tired of counting boxes, and uh, so I was like, "What do these people do that answer the phone? Mm-hmm. What are their what are their what are their special skills?" And they're like, "Well, they have to know about these solar panels that we sell." And I was like, "Oh, what are these solar panels that we sell?" And then someone's like, here's a binder full of technical information. <laughs> right. Fill your boots. So I did. And I would just like over lunch hour or I'd take them home. And then I'd have to like, I bought an electricity for dummies book. Oh, yeah. I had to learn all the, you know, grade nine science that I had long since forgotten. Mm-hmm. What's a volt? What's an amp? 
all that stuff. No idea. Yeah. Way, <laughs> way easier to learn it as an adult if you're motivated to yeah, learn Yeah, totally. Sure. And it turns out it's all fairly simple. Electricity follows the rules of like addition and subtraction and multiplication and division. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to learn what the words mean. Right. And uh, But I actually found it really interesting because I was always pretty good at math, but I never found like a career in math to be all that exciting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You deal with a lot of numbers. You, I'm sure, know what I mean. Yeah, some of them, like I always liked math too, but there weren't that many careers where I was like, can't wait to look at that number. Like, not, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's but, neat solving problems with numbers, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and so, so I was able to pick it up and uh, just eventually convince people to let me do like uh, what's called inside sales, mm-hmm. wholesale distribution, which is, you know, you work in the office, you answer the phone, uh, you answer emails and, and you basically help customers that are coming to you for, you know, they want to know how much of a thing you have in stock, how much it costs, how soon can you get it here? Is there another thing that I could use that you have in stock instead? That kind of thing. And it's, a, which is a great way to learn. Right. Which is like, cause you go into it not knowing anything and then you go through like a year of people asking you questions that you don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden at the end of a year, you know a whole bunch of stuff. Right. So, uh, I did that for a while and then I was like, who's this, uh, this guy with the greased back hair in the car that's nicer than mine. What's his job? What does he do? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, he's an outside sales guy. So he has to go and be personable uh, in front of all of our customers and then also uh, in front of strangers so that they'll become our customers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I think I could do that. Uh, seems easy enough. And so uh, I just uh, eventually like weaseled my way into uh, an outside sales, like an account management type position. Right. Along the way, I, I did a bunch of other jobs too because once you sort of prove yourself to be generally competent, uh, people will give you the opportunity in growing companies to do kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. So I learned, I did marketing for a while. Like I updated, I rewrote our whole website, which is the kind of thing you can do when you work for a small company. Right. Uh, I did some like accounts receivable and payable stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just basically tried to do every single job in a wholesale distribution company. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I had a master plan <laughs> to start right. one. You were just kind of inquisitive or like kind of wanted to test yourself or what yeah. was your motivation there? I get bored really easily mm-hmm. and uh, I figure if I can use that energy of, of wanting to learn stuff to uh, make more money, then that seems like a win-win right. kind of situation. Yeah. I'm interested and I make more money or I'm like bored and stuck. Yeah. So, uh, that was really just it. Cause like I never, I didn't think I would ever have a career in anything. Like I never had any plans in my life whatsoever. Right. <laughs> like once the playwright thing fizzled out, apart. that yeah, was it. Yeah, you're like, well, the airport's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of, but what about when you were a kid? Like did that was just your plan? I'm going to be a playwright and that, no, what? I was going to be a soccer player. Okay. <laughs> and then that fizzled out at about 13. Right. <laughs> and then I didn't have any plans. I was never good with goals or plans. Comedians are generally lost at some point too, right? Like there's a... When I started comedy, oh, did I not have a clue what I wanted to do? Like, mm-hmm. lost. Okay, comedy's the one because that's a thing that'll make you feel better about yourself immediately. <laughs> Classic mistake. Right, like, oh, I I made 50 bucks to get people to hate me. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you probably fell into the same trap that I did, which is you went to a comedy show at some point, thought, I could be the second worst person at Mm -hmm. this comedy show right now. Easy. Yeah, so I wouldn't be the worst, so I might as well try it. That's how I convinced myself to get on stage the first time, actually. I was like... There is no way that I'm not going to be funnier than a couple of those guys. Yeah. Which was true, actually. So, yeah. You came out of the gate, I think. Like, pretty hot. Not the yeah. first time. Second show was okay. First one, no. That was bad because <laughs> I didn't have anything prepared. So, it's like, my voice can't get me through and it couldn't get me through any situation at that point. But, right. 
So you get to sales, yeah. and uh, were you? I assume you're good at sales. You're bright. You're funny. You're nice. I got good at it. Like yeah. I wasn't super outgoing. Like when I started doing stand up, and when I wanted to do sales, it was because I wasn't really like I'm uh, like kind of an introvert naturally, mm-hmm. and I felt like probably things would be better generally if I learned how to like talk to people and, and be somewhat interesting. Right. And uh, so that was those are both like fairly conscious efforts to get out of my comfort zone and. Nice. learn how to do some things because they were they both seemed terrifying yeah to me at the time so uh i definitely doing stand-up makes you fearless about anything mm-hmm. like there's professionally there's nothing that can scare you after you've done stand-up not really yeah it's uh yeah go try it yeah that is actually it increased my confidence level in almost every way i bet it wouldn't have if i was really shitty at it i mean yeah like, but it's still, even if you're really shitty at it, you realize like in your nine to five job, like there's, there's nothing you're going to run into that's worse than a hundred people that hate you. Right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. It's, it's, it'll it never happen at your job. No, never. Like you get one yeah. on the phone and you're like, I don't even know what that person looks like. Yeah. And you can see into this, into their <laughs> souls yeah. and see how much they hate you. It's like. Yeah, yeah, this is the bright lights, and you're by yourself, and you're like, "This is fun." I've only got twenty minutes left of this, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah, it's it's fine when it's five minutes. No, like any other any other job, like even when I was uh, like uh, writing plays and stuff like that. If somebody hates your play, well, maybe they didn't like the actors. You know, yeah, maybe the, your lighting was shitty. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, you know the the writing wasn't uh, their thing. There's a million things that they could not like about that. Mm-hmm. But when you're up there on stage, you know that they hate you as a person, as yeah. a human being. Yeah, they 100%. actually, Sean and I talked about that. Like, they actually hate you as a human being <laughs> if they don't like your comedy, which is so funny. They're like, yeah. And and audiences love a whole bunch of terrible human beings because they're funny on stage, which is the. <laughs> Yeah. Extra funny thing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. That's uh, the people that do, don't do do well in comedy. Sometimes they're the most wonderful people. <laughs> totally. And they're just not great. At and the opposite comedy. goes for like, you're the best. You're so funny. Yeah. I wouldn't trust you with anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. So it was good. That was good training. And uh, yeah, doing outside sales is good too because it's a similar type of thing where to walk into somebody's office especially when they have like a no salesman sign yeah just walk right past the no salesman sign and then you're getting into these situations with like uh you know you're having a conversation with somebody where the context is you know they're not happy that you're there Mm -hmm. you know that you're wasting their time probably there's a good chance you're wasting their time you know it and they know it and then you still have to do your job right and maybe, you, you know, 10% of the time you get through to the point where you actually can provide some value mm-hmm. to somebody. But it's certainly not 100% of the time. Of and you know that going in. And, and so uh, it's a fairly similar thing to stand-up where, like, the premise of stand-up is you go in front of a room of people and then you say, I'm now going to make you laugh, mm-hmm. which is the hardest way to make anybody laugh. Is right. tell them ahead of time that you're going to make them laugh right away. Yeah. So... Yeah, those are both super valuable skills and experiences, and um, yeah, you eventually get good at both of them if you do them long enough. So mm-hmm. yeah, you get through the nightmarish part of of the sales process or the stage fright, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So outside sales is that the end game at, at the old. Yeah, like, beyond that, like, you could become a sales manager, maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was about it, as far as I kind of thought, like, I was never going to be a CEO of a thing, I was like, if you do sales long enough, maybe you'll get to be a sales manager, you get to manage all the other outside salespeople, that's pretty good living, Mm -hmm. and that, I feel like I probably could have done that for a while, Um, but then uh, the company that I was working for was owned by a um, hedge fund out of the States, and um, most of their holdings in the solar industry were um, companies that made solar farms, like put $50 million, $100 million down uh, of solar panels out into a field and then just owned that much solar power 
um, which is great business for a hedge fund because right. it provides a reliable source of income for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they owned a distribution company in Canada, which was us, and a distribution company in the United States. And um, distribution companies, you make money some months and you lose money some months, and you can't really predict how it's going to go year over year. Right. And so they were just like, ah, screw these distribution companies. So they just uh, like gave up on them, sold the assets to whatever competitor, you know, Mm-hmm. made a rash decision at the time to buy them right and uh, so we got sold to our assets got sold to uh, our closest competitor which were our uh, greatest enemies <laughs> right <laughs> we've been like you know killing ourselves to try and put out a business mm-hmm. the whole time and they're like okay you work for these guys now <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah and they just like hated these guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's hilarious. And I probably would be working for them today, but um, they sent a guy. This is like, solar's is still kind of an immature industry, and so they're not always great at like like boring corporate things like mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So they sent a guy to our office, and he said, uh, okay, um, as you can all tell, you now work for our company. Um, congratulations. <laughs> uh, here's, uh, here's your new contracts. Uh, you don't, uh, you're under no duress to sign it, but, uh, you're not getting paid, uh, for those, uh, if you, if you want to take a couple of days, that's fine, but you just, you're not getting paid for those couple of days. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody says, come to work, you're not getting paid, alarm bells start going Till off you for sign me. Yeah. your life away to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't work for anybody without getting paid. Right. So I called up my friend who's a lawyer. And I was like, hey, this guy says that I work for his company already, but he's giving me a contract to sign. What's that about? And he said, well, it sounds like they probably, your company just sold the assets. There's two ways to sell a company. You can sell all the assets of a company, like, you know, your computers and your desks and whatever, like your uh, outstanding bills and Mm -hmm. receivables and stuff like that. You just sell all that stuff and then close the company. Or you sell all the shares of your company, which everything comes with it at that point. Right. I didn't know any of this at the time, obviously. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. Right. Sold the company. I worked for a new company. Great. So uh, he said it was probably an asset sale. And uh, that's why you have to sign a contract is because you don't actually work for them because you can't sell people <laughs> right. anymore, unfortunately. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I called up my old HR department for the company that I was working for and I was like hey is there a chance that um, like you guys just laid everybody off and didn't tell anybody about it and now we're all being offered new jobs with a different company and they're like "Uh, yeah technically that's what happened Uh, we were going to tell you eventually (laughs) I was like okay so that's cool I get severance pay because I got laid off Mm -hmm. for no reason which they didn't think they would have yeah And and they wouldn't have paid had we not asked. asked you looked yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't work for anybody now mm-hmm. and the company that I was working for is out of the business so I don't have any non-competition no non-solicitation clauses none of that stuff that usually comes with working with a distributor mm-hmm. and so I'm a free agent basically so I talked to everybody in the company I was like guys we don't have to work for these guys like we and don't. how big was it like how many employees were there before there was uh, probably 15, okay. something like that, mm-hmm. across the country. And uh, so I tried to talk to as many people as I could and tell them, like, you don't already work for this company. Like, you can kind of call your own shot at this point. Probably they owe you severance money, which did not make me real popular. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got probably six figures of money out of this my old company that they had no interest in paying. <laughs> right. Because everyone was owed severance. Uh, and... Uh, and I tried to, I was like, let's all start a company. Let's all pool everything that we have and just, you know, continue this business. Like, we all like each other. We had a good, there was a good culture, good atmosphere. Uh, we were doing good work. Like, we were growing the business in Canada. We were profitable in Canada, which mm-hmm. was the weird part when they sold our company. It was like, we were actually making you guys money. Right. And uh, only one person took me up on the offer. Everyone else was either not interested in starting a business or had already signed their new contracts without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my one uh, sales counterpart in uh, Western Canada, he was like, yeah, that's just dumb enough to work. And right. uh, he also didn't want to work for the other company. <laughs> nice. 
And uh, so we're like, okay, well, the two of us, like, we know we have all the contacts and we have all these relationships. Mm -hmm. And already a lot of our customers were like, please don't work for that company. They suck. Like, we like dealing with you. We don't like dealing with that company. Right. So we had, uh, you know, some confidence that we could survive. uh, Like, get those contracts as long as you could find a way to get the product. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had the opposite problem that most entrepreneurs have, which is like you have an idea of how to run a business, but it's really hard to get new customers from scratch. Yeah. And we had the opposite problem where we had more than enough people like asking us to start a business and we just didn't have any idea how to run a business. Right. So. So you just went for it. So we just went for it. So he was like your Jerry Maguire moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like, who is going on that? Yeah. <laughs> One person. So you're like, okay, let's start our own distribution company. Yeah. Because we've got potential clients. Yeah. And then how the hell do you do that? Yeah. Well, that's the hard part, obviously. Right. So first thing I did, I went and bought a book for dummies. Yeah. Uh, actually, a few books for dummies. Because we had we were both salesmen and that's all we knew how to do. Like you didn't know anything about running a company or like nothing at all. Financial statements or nope, nothing. Yeah. So I bought small business for dummies. So I still have it in the basement, and I bought I think bookkeeping for dummies mm-hmm. because I uh, like we were both sales guys, but you know somebody needs to do all the other stuff. Yeah. And I like learning things, so the agreement was uh, my partner was going to do all the sales. I didn't have to do any sales at all. Which didn't turn out to be the case, obviously. Everybody right. sells all the yeah. time. And, uh, but I would learn how a business was run. <laughs> and so, you know, we bought uh, Simply Accounting. The, you know, $100 version of Simply Accounting, I think. Yeah. And uh, bought a couple of, you know, the cheapest functional laptops that we could find. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to learn how accounting software worked. And uh, we did eventually, like, we hired an accountant to help us set it up in a not stupid way sure yeah. that helped a lot and then we hired lawyers to help us like get incorporated um which was also the best decision that we ever made like hiring people to know what they're doing when you're starting something out is will save you a ton of time and money in the long run right so we knew we took that advice from somebody and uh really glad that we did so we were able to like get incorporated um reasonably smartly and, and start off our accounting software reasonably smartly mm-hmm. and uh, then we just had to borrow as much money as we could humanly borrow from every single person that we knew right <laughs> yeah and people that we didn't know as well so how'd you go about doing that you write a business plan or yeah like, but then you're like well we've got sales yeah what do you say that's like, the hardest part is that that's what everyone's business plan is going to say of <laughs> is course. it Figures are going to go great from day one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But uh, having like 10 years for me and uh, 15 years for my partner at the time under our belts in the industry, it's a like the industry is a bit of a mystery to people. And so if you can sort of show that you have like uh, a, a depth of knowledge in a thing that people, most people don't really know much about, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit less risky for people. Because they're like, well, you're one of the five experts on this thing in, you know, Western Canada. Right. I, that, that's a plausible story. Sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And we, we tried to get, I think we might have got uh, one or two letters from people, like big customers, big contractors, to vouch for us that they would do business with us. I think that probably helped out a lot. Oh, nice. And just having a solid understanding of what the business model is. Uh, in the distribution industry, um, it gives it gave us I think some uh, some plausibility to to mm-hmm. our business plan. Uh, I think I probably googled how to write a business plan. <laughs> right. Well, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. Like, you took drama. Exactly. You're like you weren't learning how to write business plans 15 years ago in no. university, right? No. Like, I didn't come, like, none of my family, nobody in my family is an entrepreneur. Like, I didn't grow up with any of these skills or backgrounds or, like, right. I had to just figure it all out. Which is, the f- it's fun. Yeah. Like, you're like, well, I don't know. It's- so how do you decide the, not like, the number you're looking for? How do you figure that out? So, uh, I mean, we picked a number and then we settled on the actual number that we were able to 
to get. Oh, okay. So, like, the first four or five months, we didn't have any solar panels. (laughs) (laughs) But you had a place? But we had a place, Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of the other ancillary parts. Oh, okay. They're also required. Mm -hmm. They're just not as, like, expensive or sexy as the solar panels. But we had to start with basically all of the ancillary stuff and present ourselves as, hey, we're we're a full service solar distribution company and we don't have solar we panels. Don't have solar panels. <laughs> yeah, nice. but we love it if you've bought, you know, if you buy these tie wraps from us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, because like a lot of the business of distribution relies on uh, what's called trade credit, which is your manufacturer lends you the money for thirty days when you buy the stuff. Oh. Okay. And then you lend your customers the money for what they buy for you for 30 days and if you can stay ahead of it then it helps out with the cash flow because otherwise like what we had to do was spend all of our money right up front Mm -hmm. and fill the warehouse with as much inventory as we could which was not that much and then hope to god that you sell it all (laughs) oh my god yeah otherwise you're sitting on product that also devalues over time because it's such a fast-moving industry Mm mm-hmm so it's not like we can buy, you know, 10,000 shovels and then if it takes us five years, buy gum, we'll like make a profit on it. Right. It's, you have to sell these. So Before it goes out, like there's a yeah. new panel that brings in another whatever of sunlight or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, that's, per- that's a perfect description. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. Right. As they come out with stuff that brings in more sunlight all the time. Just a more efficient panel, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we did it somehow. Just nice. honestly, it was just because it, like we had good relationships, and and people were happy to help us, and that's the only reason we survived. It wasn't like wise business acumen; it's because we had goodwill from right. being of service to people mm-hmm. uh, for a bunch of years and being honest and having a decent reputation. And then people were like, "Yeah, we'll help you get this thing off the ground by buying a thing that we don't, maybe we need, maybe we don't. Like we could probably buy it cheaper from these other guys, but enough people wanted to have." Uh, a different option as a distributor right they were willing to go along with it and help us get through the worst time so you start 2015 you fill the warehouse after five months with panels you get you start (laughs) we start getting the solar panels eventually and uh yeah it just sort of like we lost a bunch of money for the first three months as we were getting set up because um that's just the way it goes Right, and then I think by like month four or five, we made like twenty dollars in a month. Unreal! Yeah, it was amazing. How so, good did that feel? It was the best. <laughs> we had a calendar in the warehouse, which I worked in. I was shipping all of the product for the first few months, and then uh, eventually my dad came in and he helped me ship some of the stuff for a couple hours a day, which was oh, great. Nice. Yeah. So you retired or just? Yeah, he was retired nice. at that point, and. Uh, and uh, so we had a calendar, like one of those big laminated calendars that you put on your wall, mm-hmm. and we would put an X for every shipment that we sent out. So for the first, you know, week, two weeks, three weeks, there was no X's, and then we would have like one X on a Friday. We took pictures of it, like we, <laughs> we right, had a shipment. Like your first dollar bill on the wall. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you get to the point where, you know, we, well, we got two X's this day. This is a banner day. I remember, like, the first day we had three shipments. Like, we, we had a big celebration. And then uh, a few months later, like, we went, you know, two straight weeks having a, at least one shipment every day. And it was the most unbelievable feeling in the world because it was, like, you can... Just having it, re- like, X's drawn on a calendar, you could see a progression of... Yeah. We're doing more orders, not less orders. And so that's enough to keep you going. For sure. Yeah. Nice. So it's just you and your partner and your dad yep. working for free? Yep. You <laughs> <laughs> got a beer occasionally, I think. Well, that's what I bet he probably paid for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just assume. I, don't. <laughs> I, I forget. That's, we had a, that's Our the... office wasn't big enough to have a kitchen, so we had a... Uh, one of those uh, Marshall Amp beer fridges that they used to sell at HMV when HMV was a thing. Oh, yeah. Because we, cause it had to be in the lobby and you can't just put an awkwardly positioned fridge in the lobby. Right. <laughs> so our fridge was a, a fake Marshall Amp beer fridge nice. that came from my basement that I then had to put an electric guitar next to so it looked 
Yeah. So everyone's like, well, cool office. You got a guitar and a guitar right. amp here. You guys are hip. That's sweet. It's like, that's my lunch in there. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. So, and it was so is that the shop that I went to? Still, or did you guys? Were you in the? Uh, were we on the corner when you came to the shop? Like it was pretty, the corner. Oh office? yeah, you had moved to a bigger place when I came, but it was the same we building. Probably would have just moved into there, yeah, in the oh, same building. Yeah. So we started off. It was one bay, three thousand square feet. Um, shared the upstairs mezzanine with a friend of mine who was uh, starting a record label and a t-shirt printing business, and he needed, you know, a little bit of space mm-hmm. uh, where no customers would visit right so that was also a, a huge blessing was having like some company <laughs> mm-hmm. because when you're the only one in the shop doing all the work uh like physically because my partner was in calgary uh he making sales making sales all the time yeah so um uh yeah it was really nice having hey just somebody to like say hi to every day because right. i go from working in a full office as you know mm-hmm. to just you know being by yourself <laughs> <laughs> in a warehouse too yeah. which is like weird kind of like yeah i mean just the thought of it is like i'm just all alone in here like what yeah. am i doing i hope i don't get into a forklift accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah. touche yeah so then when do you when do you hire the first member of the staff and what are they doing that's a good question. It would have been probably like uh, within a year or something like that, and it would have been in the warehouse because I got tired of wrapping and strapping and unloading and forklifting and stuff like that. So right. just hiring somebody to pick orders. Uh, so it's find the parts on the shelf, put them on a pallet, wrap them with plastic wrap, put them on a call the truck in to deliver them and, and mm-hmm. load them onto the truck. And so yeah, that was our first employee. Um, and then, so we hired a guy that could that was willing to do warehouse work and also knew uh, a few things about uh, computers and uh, websites because we didn't have a website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was like, "Well, I can build websites," and we're like, "You could build websites and work in a warehouse." <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. we just we just hired two employees. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And so it was slow enough that he could just sit at a computer for half the day mm-hmm. and uh, build out a crappy website for us and you know ship products the other half the day. Nice. Yeah. So. Well, that's exciting. So then when you hired him, like, were you like, well, we almost got to pay ourselves and then yeah. we hired a guy? <laughs> yeah. It's growing a business is the, the tricky part that people, you don't think about until you're in the position is to hire somebody, you basically have to be doing one and a half jobs or somebody has to be doing one and a half jobs to warrant hiring somebody usually because mm-hmm. you can't hire somebody when there's zero work for them. Right. And then just hope that over the next few months there will become enough work for them. Yeah, just hire with a prayer. Yeah. Be like, here we Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pay this person and hope that the work comes in. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, that scene, I just watched Ghostbusters the other day, where they hire, you know, Janine, the receptionist, and right. she's just sitting around doing her nails all day. And then uh, someone's like, can you at least look like you're doing something? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like... Uh, that's usually how it goes. And so you have to get to the point where you're doing at least half of somebody else's job as well as your own job mm-hmm. to hire somebody usually. And then you just, you, you push yourself as hard as you can for as long as you can until you can't take it anymore. And then you hire somebody to take half of your load off. Right. Yeah. And then hope they're better than you. And we yeah. talk about hope they're better than <laughs> you at better your than job you. that you're giving away. Yeah. And then it's a perfect world. Yeah. But Otherwise, you're just throwing away money for somebody to do nothing. So now this is, is this becoming your first forte into kind of management of people as well? Basically, yeah. Like I had done, I was a, for a little while, I was a senior inside sales person. So I technically managed people, but it's not like really full on management. It was more like, you know, the coaching and um, that part of managing people. But yeah, aside from that, I'd never really managed anybody before so mm-hmm. i took a one-day course at metro con- continuing education and was that <laughs> it you just like, that was it <laughs> and now you're just a manager yeah you're just doing it yeah and so i was really uh terrible at it for uh, you know i'm still learning how to do it but it was i was even worse when we started out and you just make all the same classic mistakes that everyone does when they're managing people. Like you go through the micromanaging phase, you go through the phase where you think that you have to tell people what to do all the time. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, eventually you just you figure out how to you know delegate and trust and right. letting people do a shitty job at first is is the hardest step to get over sure yeah. that's that's always how it goes and that's how you learned how mm-hmm. to do your job was if somebody let you be you know not very good at it for a while totally yeah so for sure which I always thought was kind of weird when I started in financial planning because I'm like I don't really know what I'm talking about like you're letting me give people advice like I took a course <laughs> for like a week <laughs> Like, I kind of trusted that I kind of knew, like, I knew more than most people, I think, that were, like, took the same course for the week, but I was like, yeah, I can't, like, know enough yet, and then, yeah, go out, yeah, just do it. That's the scariest part of any job. So weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember when I started answering the phones, when I started doing inside sales, I was like, you want me to answer the phone? You realize that anybody that asks me anything is going to be completely unsatisfied with <laughs> whatever I say. Yeah, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, that's just how you got to learn." Mm-hmm. So, but it's I, I, that was probably the most scared I've ever been in a professional setting was having to answer the telephone. Oh, can you imagine how bad I would be at that job? <laughs> you'd be fine no you're you're old enough to know that you can just uh, be honest with somebody and say i don't know the answer to that question let me look it up for you yes yeah sure i would say that but you know mad people get at me talking to me on the phone if they don't know me and they want something from me good point it's the worst because then i'll just shut down and make them even more mad And nobody, nobody wants a like a dry monotone no, <laughs> voice like, on the other end of the phone yeah, that's not hey, helpful. Man, man, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I try and tell like people like, can we set up a phone meeting? I don't think you want that. <laughs> <laughs> to be I'm, I'm better in person. Yeah, it's not because be I'm super handsome. <laughs> yeah, to be completely honest, like I don't think that's. That's going to help anybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, never. Uh, I really took that uh, for granted, uh, voice modulation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you're growing Yeah. now. Yeah. Things are going pretty good. Things are going well. We hired a second person, we hired a third person, we hired a fourth person. And then eventually it just turned into a thing where I wasn't like uh, uh, sleepless at night, uh, worrying about losing the house. Awesome. Yeah. Must have felt pretty good. It was amazing. I tell people, I mean, you How still, long did that take? Uh, I think it was probably two years, two to three years before I told people like, okay, we're, we're not one mistake away from losing our houses now. Like, we can make one mistake, mm-hmm. survive that, just as long as we don't make a second mistake. Right. Yeah. Because it's like the, the cash flow part of the business is the craziest. Like you can, you make one bad bet and it's like a half million dollars of damage to your business all of a sudden. So it's, we really had to grow and like put in the sweat equity for a long time before we got to the point where like we felt comfortable that we could make a mistake mm-hmm. and survive. But once we got there, it was like, I mean, it was still a ton of work. You never, that's the thing about growing a business is that you don't, get to a point and then it's you're doing less work all of a sudden (laughs) right yeah it's just always a lot of work yeah but not having to worry about losing my house as much was uh like we celebrated that feeling oh that nice and then uh, because i think you told me your plan when you started was almost to sell like i was building a business to sell yeah it was like we, neither of my partner and I were really natural born entrepreneurs. Um, neither of us uh, really had those aspirations or to have like that kind of those kind of jobs or anything running a company. But the opportunity presented itself to us out of the blue, and we we're like, well, we could just keep doing what we're doing, and uh, you know, build up a company, and then ideally sell it, and then just keep doing our jobs that we had been doing. Right. But then we, you know, get a little bit of money for our No, hard work. but now you have no control though, do you? Like if you do that? Well, uh, it depends. Like the company that ended up buying us is an amazing company. 
and uh, it's not things in the corporate world now I think are uh, trending away from like taking over companies and having a real top-down approach to managing them mm-hmm. or maybe the company I work for now is just amazing okay but uh, they um, saw a company in us that like we knew what we were doing Mm-hmm. We had enough years in the industry that, you know, they seemed convinced that we kind of had a sense of how to, how to do it in Canada. Yeah, but you're only four years into business. This is yeah. mind-boggling. Like, your business is four years old. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and so part of the appeal to us with this company uh, was that they were like, well, you guys are doing fine in Canada. You know Canada better than we know Canada, so um, you can keep running the company however you want to run it and uh, we'll just check in on you and make sure you're not making horrible horrible mistakes so you do like as much as I'm happy to be not in the position of like ultimate responsibility financially mm-hmm. I, I, I do enjoy autonomy I think it's really most people what they like about their jobs is however much autonomy they have mm-hmm. and so we're still we're still able to maintain it reasonable level of autonomy in what we do mm-hmm. so the satisfaction of that is still there and so it still kind of feels like yours like do yeah. you still like but you just don't have as much of a financial risk exactly because like, <laughs> nice. it takes a little bit of the stress off yeah like we, like, we got to the place where it was comfortable and we knew we, were, we could survive and it was like this was a company that we could keep running and growing mm-hmm. but even then like it never leaves the back of your head that if things go really bad here, like I'm eventually responsible. Right. Yeah. That's always in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I, I kind of don't mind working for somebody else to, that takes that responsibility and that stress. And I'll, I'll take a less upside for that any day. Interesting. Yeah. It's like almost the opposite of almost everybody I ever talked to. Like, <laughs> How can you give up like control of your baby? Yeah, because building a business does feel like a child. Absolutely, it does. Because it's just. But like, imagine you meet like Mary Poppins, and then she's like, "I'll take care of your I'll child." But you get to hang out with the child all day. Fair, good analogy. <laughs> I mean, I could see that. Sure, like if it was like the perfect opportunity and the right partner that or owner I guess or whatever but that allowed you to do the fun parts of parenting and Mm -hmm. not have the stress then yeah sure yeah it's interesting yeah because I yeah I was always like it's hard to think of like you know we put this like you know took the risk you know went out of our way to go and do it it's finally starting to get like a little bit of breathing room where you're like not having a heart attack every night. Mm-hmm. And then you're like almost about to see the real upside of being a business owner. And then you're like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. For the, like for the long term financial aspect of it, it was like, we would have been way better off keeping the company and running it and growing it for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's more important things in life. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I feel really good about what we do. And like now, like the company that, that acquired us is way better at what we do than we were. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. Leaps and bounds better at it. And now I have a thousand people around the world that I could talk to and pick their brain. And, you know, what? how do you guys do things in Mexico? What are the secrets down there? And then take, you know, the best things that they do and what's happening in Germany because it's probably a year or two ahead of what's happening in Canada. Right. And how do we get ahead of the curve that way? And um, everybody's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's really nice. And so, like, yeah, it's a professionally, it's a really good position to be in. Like, it's getting to work for a great company and having some job security. Cool. Yeah. So what, how does that, they, they buy it, they say you keep running it what's what's your obligation to that business what's your thought process when that happens you're like okay i don't own this anymore i could walk away tomorrow you could walk away tomorrow i assume Mm -hmm. um 
you know, what do you want to do? What do you think you want to do? Go back to the airport or? <laughs> Thinking about it. Yeah. I'm very strongly considering it. Um, just like even just for one summer, just waving planes around. How cool would that be? That'd be pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you wear your ear protection though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, th and thick boots. Um, no, I mean, uh, like I still need a career and a job. And so basically like getting to call your shot as to like what kind of company you want to work for is a real easy way to make sure that you have continued job satisfaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, I've kind of learned all of the parts of the, the business of wholesale solar distribution. And I could, you know, theoretically kind of find a home in there and, and do that pretty comfortably right for the rest of my working life hmm. uh, yeah and that's great and not the entrepreneur bug left like, like what's your probably not no. <laughs> it's a lot of work there's a lot of stress yeah like I had to you know I don't know what happened to the last five years of my life aside from the business mm -hmm. uh, like personally it takes a toll on you uh, I don't uh like when, when people are like, oh, who do you, who, who do you have friends you hang out with? I'm like, I don't know what happened to all my friends. <laughs> like at some point in the last right. five years, the number of my friends went from, right. yeah, a bunch to, they all had Yeah, I was like, when can I come over <laughs> to do the podcast? I have to switch it by half an hour. And you're like, I have zero <laughs> life. Yeah. But who's got a life when it's minus 40? Good too? point. Like, yeah. You know, me getting me out of the house was hard enough. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that you came. I here. went to the hockey game last night too, and there was like it was like half empty. Ooh. <laughs> and I don't blame people. Like, no. it was. I'm surprised I even said yes. I love the Oilers, but like, yeah, it's yeah. weird because it's just you're cold for a few minutes, but it's such a mental impediment to do oh, like anything. Yeah. Well, I parked pretty far, <laughs> too far away, and I was like walking there and I'm like in my car or in my truck on the way home like yeah you know because I was like I asked my wife I'm like can you drive me because I don't want to park and she's like I no walk three blocks like no we're not getting in the car and dropping you off it's too cold to drop you off <laughs> I get it I guess yeah so um <laughs> So what's your role? What's your role now? Like you. So I'm doing. Uh, I do operations technically, okay. which is a whole lot of stuff. So I oversee the logistics side of things, uh, the well, the shipping and the warehousing and all that kind of stuff, the physically moving of things around, and uh, purchasing, making sure that we're you know dealing with the manufacturers and our relationships are good there, um, that we're you know buying the right stuff all the time and you know at the right price and getting it to where it needs to go. Uh, so that our sales team can go nuts and sell as much of it as they can um, and that at the end of the day if our customers are like if their lives are made slightly easier by our existence then nice. I did I did my job okay and our sales job the salespeople did their job okay perfect yeah uh, well I already and I like so we're close to we're close to our hour and I think it was good timing anyways I mean we're we're close to the end of the story I like to finish with a few stupid questions cool but uh, do I get to give stupid answers yeah no one of them is like yeah you can say whatever you want like Sweet. I said nobody's listening to this <laughs> um, what uh, one I mean what any biggest mistakes you made along the way in those four years like that you care to share <laughs> that I care to share is that that's the hard part for sure the uh, biggest mistake was and this is probably I lost more sleep over this than anything I've ever done but um, we were planning out our company and uh, we were trying to come up with a name for the company we had a big list on a Google spreadsheet of all of our company names and um, we came up with a name and we found a lawyer to incorporate us. And so we wrote an email to the lawyer saying, okay, here's our plan for incorporating our company. It's me and this guy and it's, you know, this is going to be our name. And, um, you know, we're starting up here, you know, right away. 
and uh, one of one of us emailed uh, like out, you know how Outlook auto fills in email addresses for you. Mm-hmm. So somebody sent an email and copied one of our old work email addresses just by habit or by autofill. Right. And uh, those emails were like belonged to the company that bought up all the assets of our old company. <laughs> so we emailed our competitors our right. exact plan for incorporating oh, a company God. to compete with them uh, that we were going to do it and what it was going to be called. <laughs> Bro. And so, and the, most of the reason why we chose the company name that we did was because the .com was available. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Sure. And so we email it off to the lawyer and then later that day we go to buy up all the, the you know, the .com domain so we can own the company. <laughs> And then we were like, oh, it got bought today? <laughs> what about the .ca? It got bought today too? <laughs> what about the dot? Oh, every single domain to do Even with... Even dot .biz and yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody had bought up $500 of domains based oh, on the name of our company. Uh, that's that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I so, mean... Somebody was on the ball over there, I guess. Yeah. That was quick. Yep. <laughs> so we found out that it was, you know, you can look up who, like, registers domains, and we're like, oh, it's that guy who works for that company. Mm-hmm. How did he know about it? I didn't tell anybody. You didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, we eventually put it together and realized that we had telegraphed our entire plan right to our competition <laughs> before we even got off the ground. So did you change the name? So we changed the name. And so they wasted 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so didn't change your life. Didn't change our life at all. The element of surprise was gone. But uh, aside from that, that yeah. was, uh, that was oh, about it. That's funny. And so, uh, and it ended up like uh, National Solar was a way better name than, than the other name. <laughs> so Good was, name. Yeah. I mean, sounds legit. Sounds big. Yeah. <laughs> coast to coast. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So that was, that was it. That was uh, always check your emails. <laughs> Yeah, that's before funny. you send them. That's like that's a good little uh, friendly mistake. Yeah, yeah, that would stress me out. Yeah, and we can laugh about it now, but like this was our Liz was life of death. To- oh yeah, <laughs> like, like it was like I wanted to throw up. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, freaking. Well, you're already stressed out about everything. Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we already screwed up this bad. We're not. We can't do this. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, like, oh crap! We, we're a couple of nobodies that don't know how to do anything. Rip. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that story quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Stoop. Whatever. I was going to ask you: is being a business owner, starting a business, easy? We already know the answer. I always ask it facetiously, yeah. and people answer it, even though we've talked for an hour about how it wasn't. But I, yeah, I always think it's. Uh, uh, and we talked about this before, like how, you know, maybe as an, when I was an employee of a company or didn't know as many people that had gone through the process and the stress and, and the risk is like so easy to look at somebody and be like, look at how fun and easy and awesome all of that is. And like, you know, like most people don't lose that much sleep at night or or outfit like day to day like a baby like yeah that's why it's a baby because it's on your mind 24 7 like yeah. you like you don't you're like where my friends go oh you have a five-year-old like i've never seen <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, people that you spend time with uh and like people close to you in your life are like why are you always uh, distracted by stuff you right know? what are you thinking about why, why do you have that mm-hmm. uh, like far off stare all the time <laughs> right. at 10.30 at night? Because you can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 100% yeah. true. The only uh, the thing I will say, though, that like I never had the world's greatest work ethic. Mm-hmm. But when you start a company, uh, the best part of it is you don't have a choice yeah. but to do everything that you can possibly do. Mm-hmm. Like It's not like you have to develop the willpower to do the work. There's no, right. there's no choice. You have to do it. Yeah. Well, and you guys are also, you know, accountable to a lot of people that yeah. trusted you too, right? Like that's yeah. uh, 
that's a big yep can't go so in I've on got to get you up in the morning I assume yeah. right? like you're like you uh, can't go into work like on a Monday and then be like ah you know I, I, I was supposed to get the payroll on Friday and I just did slip my mind mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you just can't do that right <laughs> yeah it's fair uh, lastly uh, best tip you can give somebody who wants to start a business probably just don't yeah just don't <laughs> It's uh, like really think through your business plan and make it as conservative as possible and do as much research as you can unless you're, you know, starting a thing that you have a bunch of years of experience in Um, because it's going to go worse than you think it's going to go and it's going to go slower than you think it's going to go and it's going to be more expensive than you think it's going to be. And so, you know, if you've got a business plan, cut your sales in half, increase your expenses by 25%. And uh, take your plan for the first two years and stretch it out to three or four years, and then see if it's still something that you want to get, get involved in. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, oh yeah, I, I my initial thought was that yeah, that everybody's going to be flying in the door uh, immediately. Like yeah, and it happens differently too. That. Like your wins are different than the wins you assumed they were going to be. I, I kind of found like it mm-hmm. never works the way your little plan in your head. And maybe it's better and you modify and say that actually that sometimes that works out better. Yeah. You know, like one of our, uh, in our business plan, our top three customers for starting the business. One of them was not doing any business within like the first year. Like our one of our anchor customers. Right. We were banking on just mm-hmm. completely disappeared mm-hmm. and uh but it's like you said stuff comes out of nowhere that mm-hmm. you're not expecting and you just hope that those two things balance at the end yeah, of the day yeah for sure awesome well thank you so much for for the beer and the and the chat and it was My fun pleasure. it was nice learning your story and uh yeah, check him out. Encourage him to get back on stage now that he's uh, got some time. And, and uh, the best part about being out of comedy for a while is that people have like rosier recollections of what my what? comedy was. Like. <laughs> that's I think that's part of why I don't think I'll ever go back. Is that people will be like, "Oh, it was not as good as I remember." <laughs> Shit. Well, that's not true. Now you're in a now you're in a better place where you got some time. Yeah. So. Being a funny guy in the office is way easier. And it's a lot more fun. That's true. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kent. I really appreciate it.